Hello out there, True Crimers. We're coming to you, um, what, live on tape, I guess, so to speak, from the uh, True Crime Studios here on the campus of Easy Street Restaurant, Bar, and Performance Hall mm -hmm. in Center, Alabama. Over the next hour or so, we're going to stuff a tale of true crime right into your ears. I'm joined here today, as always, by the other true members, or the other true crime experts, the members of the team here. My name is Scott Wright. I am a mediocre journalist. I'm Kelly Turner. I'm not a doctor. I'm Katie Givens. I'm not a lawyer. Okay, that's all I've got by way of intro. I wrote this big, long intro this week, and I yep. decided to scrap it on the way over this morning. I don't want it. I don't want After to use it anymore. After you emailed it to anymore. us. And yeah, I, just, I, I got bored. I had 30 minutes to kill at work on Friday, so I wrote it, but I don't like it now, so... We'll just okay. do something else. Scott right. loves to write stuff and send it to us via email. And then never use it. Yeah. Or get mad at us when we don't read it. Oh, yeah. Did, it, did anybody read. even yes. read it this no, time? Yes, we read, read it. it. Okay. So. Well, I'm not using it. Okay. Well, then we're the only two that will ever know what it said, Katie. What a horrible, horrible intro it would have been. And only the two of you had to live through it. And me. <laughs> but nobody else. So we'll get into whatever it is that we're going to talk about today. I don't know exactly what it is. I've got a little bit of an inkling, but. Yeah. Kelly's in the big chair today, so okay. uh, hop, skip, and jump away. Are you ready? Sure. Ready for this? Okay. All right. Let me just put my drink down here. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly's got some kind of green concoction, or is the cup it's, green? Well, the cup is yellow, and so then when you put it's it's actually not green. Uh, it looks like you're drinking a green juice. It looks like I am, and I'm not. I'm not that healthy. It's actually a... Okay. a Dr. Pepper, strawberries, and cream zero. <laughs> that is a little different than the green juice I thought you were carrying. It's not around. that green monster All stuff. Right, so it's you've really got the glass on you. purpose to so that people would think that you're drinking something healthy. Yeah, sure. Let's say that. All right. Fine. <laughs> Whatever. All right. Here we go, guys and gals and everybody out there listening. Glad to have you today. We don't have any shout outs before I get started. Uh, uh, I don't. No. Do Katie. Uh, for some reason, I was thinking maybe, but no, no, okay. Top my head. All right. Well, yeah. For some reason, I'm thinking maybe too. We may have to double up next week because okay. I have forgotten. I really didn't do much homework this week. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Well, you did. That was did, all. I was about to say you did a little homework because you called me one day needing something for next week. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, oh, I'm, yeah, we're okay. working on the next week thing. Yeah, yeah. We've got a couple working of uh, a couple of surprises okay. in store, and it's a case that happened right here in the county when we talk about it next week. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and, and so Katie and I are already so stay tuned. Yes, stacking having, that story up for you. Scott's having me do legal research on my one week off school. Oops, <laughs> I told her she didn't oh, have to, as you do. Yeah, yeah, anyway. Okay, let's uh travel back in time, shall we? To August the 3rd, 1892. It's been a couple of minutes ago, has it? Yeah. It has been. Is it? Is it 92 or 42? It's, no, it's 1892. It's 1892. Yeah. August yeah. the 4th. Okay. Well, I typed 42. Yeah, you typed wrong. So a, t a typist, I am not. Yeah. Let's That's just all right. say that. All right. Anyways, we're back in time, 1892, August the 3rd. It was a Thursday. Okay. If you were wondering. That was my next question. Was it? Okay, yeah. see, I can read you. What one. damn day of the week was it, it Kelly? It was Thursday. Thank and you. on this Thursday, <laughs> back in the day, John Morse arrived at the home of Andrew and Abby Borden. He slept in the guest room on that night as he was, in fact, a guest. The next morning, Friday, August 4th, okay. 1892, 
John had breakfast with his host family, Andrew, his wife, Abby, Andrew's daughter, and the 25-year-old live-in housekeeper, Bridget Sullivan. They called her Maggie. I don't know why. Confused already, but I like it. Yeah, yeah. I did not know that What Maggie a tale. This is this. A, yeah. <laughs> only, apparently, Maggie is short for Bridget. All right. Okay? Jotting right. that down so, right now. Anyways, after breakfast, Andrew and John went to the sitting room and chatted for about an hour, and then John left around 8.45-ish to buy a pair of oxen and visit his niece in Fall River. Well, you don't hear that every day. <laughs> no, no. Uh, John uh, planned to return to the Borden home for lunch around noon. Andrew left for his regular morning walk around 9 a.m. Abby went upstairs after breakfast. Andrew returned from his walk around 10.30 a.m. and his key failed to open the door. So he knocked on the door. Maggie went to unlock the door and discovered it was jammed. So she said a curse word. Oh, boy, you didn't do that back then, right? No, and Maggie says that she, she's going to testify that she remembers this because she heard Andrew's daughter laughing at this. Um, she didn't see where she was. She just heard her laughing from somewhere upstairs. In response to the swear word. To the curse, yeah. Okay. Maggie removed Andrew's boots and helped him into his slippers before he lay down on the sofa for a nap. Apparently, he can take his boots off. Okay, but remember this. Okay. That's a fact. Remember that fact. That he has slippers that on. Maggie says that she helped him take off his boots and put slippers on before he okay. retired to his sitting area sofa for a nap. All right, then Maggie went out to wash the windows. After cleaning the windows, she went to her third floor room to rest. Maggie says she had a headache and did not feel well. Maggie's the housekeeper. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, Maggie recalled hearing yelling from downstairs around 11.10 a.m. Andrew's daughter was yelling for her to come down. And when she got closer, she heard her yelling, Maggie, come quick. Father's dead. Somebody came in and killed him. That's her. That's what she said. The, the, the daughter was yelling. Andrew was found slumped on the couch in the sitting room downstairs. He had been hit with a hatchet 10 or 11 times. One of his eyes had been split in two. He was bleeding, and it looked as if the attack was very recent. Detectives will later determine Andrew was murdered around 11 a.m. So this is about 10 minutes later. Mm -hmm. Somebody's yelling. Upstairs, Abby was found dead. Now, she was found dead in the guest room. She had been hit with a hatchet multiple times. She was first hit on the side of the head and this left a cut above her ear. And apparently when she turned and fell to the floor, the killer then delivered 17 more hits to the back of her head. After the investigation, the detectives have one suspect. Andrew's daughter, 32-year-old Lizzie Borden. And that's who we're going to talk about today. Okay. Have you ever heard of Lizzie Borden? Yeah, I've, I, I have, but I don't know the details. I just know that she, you know, there was that nursery rhyme from when we were all kids. I'm going to get to the nursery rhyme. Yeah, yeah. that's do what you, I remember. Uh, Katie, do you, Lizzie Borden? Very little. Okay. All right, so we're going to, 32-year-old Lizzie Borden still lived at home with her father and her stepmother, Abby. And her sister, who was a couple of years younger than her, Emma, lived there as well. 
Okay, so stepmother. Yeah, this is their stepmother. And um, so I'm going to give you a little bit of background. So Lizzie, her middle name is Andrew. Lizzie Andrew Borden. Okay. Was born July the 19th, 1860 in Fall River, Massachusetts. She was born to Sarah Anthony and Andrew Jackson Borden. Her father was of English and Welsh descent and had grown up in very modest surroundings. He struggled financially as a young man, despite being the descendant of wealthy and influential local residents. Andrew eventually prospered in the manufacture and sale of furniture and caskets, and then became a successful property developer. He was a director of several textile mills and owned considerable commercial property. He was president of the Union Savings Bank and director of the Durfee Safe Deposit and Trust Company. His estate was valued at $300,000, which in today's money mm-hmm. is just over $10.5 million. Okay, so he's, okay. he's doing okay for himself and his family. Andrew was cheap. Ooh, okay. That's my next statement. All right. <laughs> the Borden house did not have indoor plumbing, even though... At that time, that was common for the wealthy to have indoor plumbing. They lived in sort of an affluent area, but they didn't live in the more fashionable it neighborhood. Okay. That was called the hill. So they lived on the wrong side of the tracks in the good part of town. They lived, I mean, it was, it was a, it was a nice area. Don't get me wrong, but they didn't live on the hill, which okay. they certainly could afford to live on the hill if they had. Wanted. Oh, I see. Okay. I forgot. But didn't that even have all, all the people on the hill had indoor plumbing. Okay. So, yeah. you know. Well, he, yeah. he wasn't going to splurge on that. No, no, no. So Lizzie and her older sister, I said she was younger, but it's her older, okay. her older sister, Emma. They had a very religious upbringing and attended Central Congregational Church. As a young woman, Lizzie was very involved in church activities. She taught Sunday school. She, her, the children in her Sunday school class were children of recent immigrants to the United States. She was involved in other religious organizations, such as the Christian Endeavor Society and the Women's Christian Temperance Unit. And she was also a member of the Ladies' Fruit and Flower Mission. Well. Sounds like her uh, weekend is pretty full. It's very booked. Now, three years after the death of Lizzie's mother, Andrew is going to marry Abby Gray. Now, her middle name is Durfee, and he is, you know, as I said, director of the Durfee Safe Deposit and Trust Company, so I don't know if that's oh, a I family see. thing yeah. there that he, you know, they married or whatever, but mm. but anyways, he um, he remarries Abby Gray, And Lizzie and her sister Emma do not like their stepmother. They refer to her as Mrs. Borden. Really? Mrs. Borden. Wow. Yeah. Now, Lizzie believed that Abby was a gold digger and only wanted the family money. So, Bridget Sullivan, remember the one they called Maggie, the the 25-year-old live-in maid, she was an immigrant from Ireland. And she's going to later testify that Lizzie and Emma rarely ate their meals with the parents. They just didn't like her. Okay. Didn't want to be around her. Typical, I want to say teenagers, but maybe not. I guess it depends. They're, They're in not, their 30s. I, mean, oh, I, I thought would, you meant like growing up the whole time. I mean, probably. But yeah. but now that they were older, it was still going on. But it's on still and, going and on. Sort of, I would kind of say to them, 
get out and get a job, I guess. Yeah. You're in your thirties. I mean, is there, what jobs are there for? Not many for women at that time. Right. I mean, it was a different, 1892. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, in May of 1892, Andrew kills multiple pigeons in his barn with a hatchet. And the reason he's going to kill all these pigeons is because he says they're attracting the local children to hunt them. And this is going to make Lizzie furious because she had built a roost for those pigeons in the barn and was taking care of them. So she liked animals and dad killed her animals. Killed her pigeons. Got it. Mm -hmm. A family argument in July of 1892 prompted both sisters to take extended, quote, vacations, end quote, in New Bedford. After returning to Fall River a week before the murders, Lizzie chose to stay in a local rooming house for four days before returning to the Borden residence. So there had been some... Something's going on. Family issues going on leading up to the murders. Now, Andrew's gifts of real estate to various branches of Abby's family is going to cause problems for the sisters. Mm -hmm. So he's giving away stuff to her family, the, the Mrs. Borden's family. Oh, okay. And after their stepmother's sister received a house, the sisters demanded and received a rental property which was the home they had lived in until their mother died. They purchased that from their father for $1. Okay. So he's going to sell it to them for a dollar and give it to them, basically. Now, a few weeks before the murders, they're going to sell this property back to their father for $5,000, which is equivalent to about $186,396 today. Wow. You carried it all the way out. Yeah. Way to go. Yeah. They made a lot of money off that dollar. Okay. Um, the night before the murders. That was probably to avoid taxes or something. I Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But he bought it back from Okay. Him. So the night before the murders, John Morse, remember I talked about him earlier. He's going to come and stay at the home. Now, John Morse is the brother of the girl's biological mother so he's okay. their maternal uncle okay so he's still attached to the family even though his sister has been gone for some years now yes and he's he's visiting he was invited to stay andrew and john wanted to discuss business matters and the speculation is that these discussions only added to the tension in the home it, it would seem that john and the sisters wanted one course of action for the way things were going. And it would seem that Andrew and maybe Abby and her family wanted another course of action. I mean, that's just speculation. Sure. But it seems to be adding to the tension. But if you're trying to figure out a motive for a double homicide, you've got to consider those kinds of things. Yes. Also leading up to the murders, everybody in the household is going to get sick, very violently ill. And, a family friend is going to speculate that it may have had something to do with mutton that was left on the stove to use in meals over several days. It got left on the stove for several days. And they were using it in meals. So I'm going to say bingo. I see. Okay. Even yeah. though I'm not a doctor. Yeah. I'm going to say bingo. And I'm going to say, Andrew, 
you're you are worth ten and a half million dollars. Mm-hmm. You can afford new mutton every night. Yeah, you oh, don't have to leave the same mutton on the ta- on had the, the stove. Had the icebox been invented yet? I think the icebox existed if the refrigerator didn't. I don't know, but it, it made everybody sick. Yeah, Bad in the idea. household, cheapskate. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> what you get? We're gonna leave this mutton on <laughs> the stove. <laughs> what the heck? If you're worth ten and a half million dollars, you can buy new mutton. Yeah. Anyways, I agree. ugh. Does anybody eat mutton anymore? It's a term I haven't heard recently. So yeah, I'm not not on any menu that I've seen around here lately. Mm, no, me neither. The uh, you know, there's uh, the uh, what is it? Uh, lamb chops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's not the same thing, but. No, not exactly, I guess. But yeah, a lot of places around here have, of lamb, have the rack of something. lamb on the menu now. That's something that's going around. But mutton, that's different. I think you're right. Ugh. Anyways, an old mutton, that's <laughs> really day, days old mutton. You're not oh. selling this mutton thing to me. No, 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 no. Okay, so the everybody's getting sick and Abby's going to think that that they had been poisoned because she's going to think, yeah, Andrew's not a popular man. In Fall River. If you go back to what I said he was all involved with, furniture, caskets, property, textile, um, the bank, the safe deposit and trust. I mean, everywhere you turn, you got to deal with this cheapskate. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he was probably a cheapskate in his business as well if he was at home. Possibly. I I mean, he was not well liked. Okay. And so Abby's going to think that they have been poisoned, but I'm going to disagree with Abby on that one because I'm going to say it was that. Old, old mutton on the stove. Yeah. Okay. Fast forward to the murders have happened and they're going to start interviewing Lizzie. The local police. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lizzie's initial answers to the police officer's questions were strange and contradictory sometimes. Initially, she reported hearing a groan or a scraping noise or a distress call before entering the house. Two hours later, she told police she had heard nothing and entered the house, not realizing that anything was wrong. When asked where her stepmother was, she said that Abby had received a note asking her to visit a sick friend. She said that she thought Abby had returned and asked if someone could go upstairs and look for her. Now, Maggie and a neighbor, they're going to get about halfway up the stairs when they're going to look into the guest room and see Abby lying on the floor. And this is how we know Abby's dead, too. Okay. Lizzie's discovered her father. She's yelling for people. Maggie comes down. Neighbors. Everybody's rushing into the house. What the hell's going on here? And they go up to try to get Abby. Abby's dead, too. Okay. Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. Now, that sounds strange, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. That uh, her testimony is a little bit all over the place. Yeah. They, okay. All right. 
Most of the officers who interviewed Lizzie reported they disliked her attitude, saying she was too calm and poised. Despite her behavior and changing alibis, she was still not checked for bloodstains. I don't know how much time passed from the time that they discovered the bodies to the time that the investigators arrived on the scene. And started treating it as a crime scene. Not really. Yeah. Not the way we would think of today, right? No, they they truly did not. Yeah. So, they're not even going to check her for blood. We're going to say if she did commit this crime, she would have had time to change, probably. I don't know. She discovers the body. Maggie claims she calls her about 10 after 11. They're going to rule that Andrew died around 11. They're going to rule Abby was dead before him. There's not, it's a, it's a very, it's a, it's a small timeline is what I'm saying. Not a lot of time for her to clean herself up. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And Maggie never reports seeing Lizzie covered in blood. She reports all this other movement going on, Mm -hmm. um, but she doesn't say anything about Lizzie being covered in blood, which you would think she might've been if she had just axed two people to death. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I would think there'd be some blood splatter. Yeah, blood splatter. Yeah, I mean, all I know about I that mean, is possibly from watching uh, Dexter on Showtime. But that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, you cut. You know, someone's eyes split open. That's probably going to splatter. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's they're going to say that they think that he was asleep when he was first struck. Mm-hmm. That's how. That's how his eye was split like that because he had his eyes shut. Mm. Now, police did search her room, but not very well. And at the trial, they admitted that they really didn't do a proper search because Lizzie was not feeling well. Now, probably not. She had just discovered mm-hmm. her father. At the very least, she had discovered a dead body. to death. If not so caused she's, it. She's not feeling well. Yeah. In the basement, the police find two hatchets, two axes, and a hatchet head with a broken handle. This is what they're going to initially report that they see down there. The hatchet head they are going to suspect it of being the murder weapon because the handle is broken. Okay. But they also noted that the hatchet head, just the one itself, has, is, has more ash and dust on it than the others. As if it got dipped into the stove? I was thinking as if it was collecting dust in the basement. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like not like it's not like the it's one not been used. <laughs> I thought you meant somebody tried to make it look maybe, like it was covered in something else. Maybe. Okay. Maybe that's what they were thinking. Um, I guess you could look at it either way. Yeah. So they're going to zoom in on just this this broken, but no, there's no blood on it. They they report there being ash and dust on it but no blood on it. Okay. So, you know, I mean, I guess somebody could have cleaned it up. Again, I don't know but how long. But if you're going to clean it, yeah. yeah if you're, you're going to clean it, it wouldn't have, it'd be yeah, clean. it would be clean. <laughs> Anything. <laughs> like if I, I don't know. Yeah. No, I know what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, so where are we now? The ash and dust on that one. Okay, none of the tools were removed from the house. They just looked at them and said, oh, we think it was that one. Mm-hmm. Oh. Didn't remove any of the tools from the house. Now, because there was this mysterious illness that everybody had before these murders, they are going to look into that and just make sure that there was no poison. So they're going to check the family's milk, and they're also going to remove the victim's stomachs during the autopsies. 
The autopsies of the two victims were performed in the Borden dining room. Oh. That's not something you hear? They were tested for poison. No poison was found. In their stomachs, obviously, they knew they were not poisoned to death because they are, <laughs> they've been yeah. hit with a hatchet. At least they know that wasn't the cause times. of death. But because of that sickness, you know, they're just wanting to make sure. So, no poison was found and no poison in the milk. The families, you know, so, mm. so that theory was gone. They at least tested that theory. There is a claim that Lizzie tried to purchase hydrocyanic acid. Mm-hmm. It's like the day before, right? In a diluted form from the local drugstore. Now, she's going to say that she tried to purchase this because she had a cloak that was made out of seal skin that she wanted to use this to clean it. Okay. But the, the medical examiner testifies during trial that that particular acid, it doesn't have antiseptic purposes she was not allowed they did not allow her to buy it okay the drugstore the the pharmacist turned her away yes did not allow her to buy it seems suspicious did it um i don't really know why the drugstore person did not but for whatever reason it wasn't standard procedure to just hand that over Apparently not. Without a prescription and or whatever. And maybe because she was a woman. I was about to say, I bet in this time they're like, she's not going to know how to use this. Yeah. Okay. She's going to hurt herself. Yeah, something. Or yeah. that's not what you Well, back at the time, in the day, if, if a woman committed a crime like this, it it was a poison. Right? I mean, that, that oh, was that would be the go-to the method. Back in the day, I think, I mean, we've done how many? Well, yeah. Present day yeah. Alabama. Yeah. I mean, back, well, <laughs> it, you know, we're 50s and 60s, but... Yeah. Just, it's a, it's a, that was Poison a go-to is a, method. Yeah. It's a woman's choice. Yeah. Typically. Yeah. For a murder. Yeah. yeah. You, and not, right. not a hatchet with <laughs> multiple swings. Multiple swings to a hatchet. Yeah. All right. Lizzie and Emma's friend, Alice Russell, is going to stay with the sisters uh, the night of the murders, the night after the murders had happened. They're going to stay there in the home. She's going to be with the sisters. So they're allowed to spend the night in the home. And then John Morris is going to spend the night in the home again that night. Um, Some say in an attic guest room, but most people say he actually stayed in the room where Abby was murdered because that was the room he was in. She was murdered in the upstairs guest room. And so... (laughs) Well, I'm still trying to get over the dining room table situation. Possibly he stayed in the actual murder room that night. What we might call today a crime scene. A crime scene. <laughs> yeah. Tomato, tomato. I mean, yeah. you know, whatever. Okay. okay. Now, police are going to be stationed around the house on the night of August 4th after these murders have happened. To see if anyone comes. I guess... They're, 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 they've put some folks there. Well, I mean, them isn't in, in, in uh, what's the name of the town in Massachusetts where this takes place? It's Fall River. Fall River. Mm-hmm. Isn't there, I guess maybe there's this initial fear. They Possibly. don't know who it is yet. Yeah, it, we there's don't a murderer have, on the loose. Yeah, we don't have a killer. We've got two dead bodies violently murdered. Yeah. Prominent mm-hmm. citizens. Yeah, we've got a, yeah, so, they, so they're there and the police uh, observe. Lizzie enter the cellar with Russell, who is the friend who's staying the night. She's carrying a kerosene lamp and a slop pail. 
He said that both of the women exit the cellar, after which Lizzie returned alone, though she was unable to see, he was unable to see what she was doing. It said that she appeared to be bent over the sink. I don't think at any point in time he went up and asked her what she was doing. Yeah. I think he just observed. Okay. But it wouldn't be odd for a, no. for and a I woman don't, in the 1890s to be bent over a sink, unfortunately, would it? I mean, that's, I don't think it's, I don't think it's uh, odd today. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So anyways, on August the 5th, Morse, who is the uncle, he's going to leave and he's going to get mobbed by hundreds of people. They're, they automatically think he did it. And police are going to have to escort him back to the house. Now, the following day on August the 6th, the police are going to do a more thorough search of the house. They're going to inspect the sister's clothing. They're going to confiscate that broken handled hatchet head. After the family's had two days to live in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. After they've done two autopsies in the dining room. Right. Yeah. That evening, a police officer and the mayor are going to visit the house, and that's when they're going to inform Lizzie that she is the suspect. The next morning, Russell, who is the friend, enters the kitchen, and she's testifying that she finds Lizzie tearing up a dress, getting ready to put it in a fire. And she explains to her friend that she's tearing up this dress, putting it into the fire because it's ruined. It has paint all over it. But it was never determined whether or not the dress was the one she was wearing on the day of the murders. So more speculation and little else. So that's, you know, odd. Yeah. Okay. Now Lizzie is going to have to go to the inquest hearing on August the 8th. Is this still a thing? I I don't think so. It it can't be because I'm about to tell you why. I don't think. There are better investigative methods now. Now we have DNA and blood. And back then you didn't have any of that. That's why they didn't mind if anybody slept in the crime scene because there there was no evidence to gather. I mean, you know, it was before fingerprints, right? I think there was some evidence they could have gathered. Yeah, certainly something. Yeah. But they just, you weren't trained to look for things like that back then. Definitely not the forensic level that we are today. But I think we still got some issues here with this. investigation so she's going to go to this inquest hearing on august the 8th and she's going to request to have her family attorney present but they're going to refuse that saying that under a state statute um an inquest must be private so you can't have your attorney (laughs) so they're forgetting that attorney client privilege no they're not allowed at the inquest at this point in 1892 in Massachusetts sounds like a hold up so that's a problem yeah like a a quick google of an inquest hearing it says it's a public hearing so anyone can attend well what they're saying (laughs) here they told her that in this state it's got to be private wait now when we did the boys on the tracks didn't wasn't there an inquest I don't know I think there was before they I guess it was an investigation more than an, I think it was an yeah. inquest. Like a, yeah. it's, like, it's just like it's like a one-sided proceeding. Yeah. yeah. So um, now let me give you a little bit more about Lizzie. So since the murders had happened, a local doctor had prescribed her morphine for um, her nerves to calm her down. So apparently in 1892, you would be given regular doses of morphine just to calm you down, not just for pain. So she is on regular doses of morphine 
when she goes into this inquest. So when she's okay. Up. okay, so do you think that might be the reason they didn't like her attitude mm-hmm. and her strange stories and her contradicting herself? If she'd never been high before, high. she didn't know well, how how to deal with it. I don't care. And how they're many, asking her about the people she might have murdered. I don't care how many times you've been high. If you are on, if you are on regular doses of mm-hmm. morphine. You're going to sound strange. I'm with you. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't function taking pain medicine. Like, mm. not, you know. That. Yeah. And so they're, then they're going to report that her behavior was erratic and she was often confused yeah. and didn't answer a question, even if the answer would be beneficial to her. That's why they tell you to stay off of heavy equipment when you're on that stuff. And they're using all this <laughs> against her. Yeah. Right. Everything she said in the inquest is being used against her. She often contradicted herself and provided alternating accounts of the morning in question, Mm -hmm. such as saying she was in the kitchen reading a magazine when her father got home. Then she said she was in the dining room doing some ironing. And then she said she was just coming down the stairs. She's high. Yeah. Yeah. And she did all three of those things that morning, probably. But how is she supposed to remember a timeline? I'm with you on that. On regular doses of morphine. Okay, the district attorney was not having this. He was very aggressive. He was on Lizzie's case. So on August the 11th, she's going to get served with a warrant and taken to jail. Because he said, that behavior, her, the way she acted, she's guilty. So this is one week after the murders have taken place. And she's on morphine. But now she's in custody. Three days after the morphine interviews. Let's call okay. it that. <laughs> the morphine, yeah. I mean. Okay, so the inquest testimony, this right here is the one thing that they get right, okay? A judge is going to throw that out, rule that that inquest testimony is inadmissible. Okay, so he took into account the fact that she was doped up and didn't have an attorney? Says that's inadmissible. Her trial is going, we're, and we're going to get to it, but the trial is going to be in June of 1893. But in the, it, you know, once it we takes get there, 10 the, months judge, to get to the, trial the judge is going to throw that out. So okay. my problem is, I, I'm glad that was thrown out. It should have been. But this is what they used to arrest her. So when that got thrown out, why did we go to trial? What did you have? Well, I guess there's other evidence that has come to light in the 10 months. I mean, if it took them 10 months to get this thing maybe. in front of a judge, maybe, maybe that was why. And let's just see. Yeah. Let's just see. Okay. Okay. All right. Here we go. Um, the newspaper is going to talk about how Lizzie in this um, inquest, apparently the newspaper was allowed to be there. In this Public, this, not public. Private, in yeah. Private no attorney here. for you, but right. here's the newspaper. Uh, that she possessed a solid demeanor, and she bit her lips and flushed, and often bent towards uh, Adams, the 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 person who was talking to her. I guess trying to say that she was like flirting or something. Oh, I see. Um, oh. And because of this, public opinion is going to drastically change on Lizzie because people are thinking. There's no way Lizzie could have done this after the inquest and the newspaper. Everybody has turned on Lizzie. Well, now she's a floozy. Yeah. Based on one newspaper she's report. She's high yeah. on morphine. Yeah, but that wasn't in the uh, not in, in the, the journalist's article. 
And it's being given to her by a doctor. It's not that she's abusing morphine. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's taking it as prescribed. Yes. I'm sure he's administering it to her. Oh, yeah. You get morphine like. It's, it was a shot. Wow. Yeah. Think about that. So, anyways, um, just, you know, that it, I, I'm through harping on that, but. I bet she's not. Come on, guys. All right. Here we go. Today's episode is brought to you in part by A&W Outdoor Services. You know, they're located right here in Cherokee County. And I called Alan myself just a few weeks ago, and he and his crew came out to my house, pressure washed the whole thing. It looks brand new. Well, as brand new as my house can possibly look after 25 years. But all I did was call Alan at 256-706-7964. He and the guys showed up and cleaned up everything. It looked fantastic. The pollen has fallen a little bit since then. So if you haven't done this already, now's the perfect time to call Alan and A&W Outdoor Services at 256-706-7964 and let them do for you what they've already done for me. It's time to plan your best vacation ever right here in Cherokee County, Alabama. Many outdoor adventures await. Wet a hook in beautiful Weiss Lake. Swing away at Cherokee Pines Golf Club. Climb to the best view around at Cherokee Rock Village. Hike the Little River Canyon National Preserve. Take a days-long splash at Pirates Bay Water Park. And much, much more. The Cherokee County Chamber of Commerce and Tourism has a full list of recommended lodging facilities, RV sites, and campgrounds. And they're all set up to suit your vacation needs, whatever they may be. So come see us from wherever you are. And if you already live right here in lovely Cherokee County, plan your summer 2023 staycation with the Chamber by visiting Cherokee-Chamber.org. Are you in the market for a full-time Weiss Lake home or recreational lot? Let Trini Davis and Elizabeth Powell put their all-star property group at Keller Williams Realty to work for you. Trini and Elizabeth are locals themselves, so they know the Weiss Lake area, and with over 40 years of experience, they're professional listing and buying agents, talented home stagers and photographers, and specialized marketing team will work to make your lakefront dreams come true. Check out the Keller Williams team on Facebook at All Star Property Rome. You can also visit at All Star Property Rome to browse their images on Instagram or give them a call at 706-844-7493. That's the All Star Property Group with Keller Williams Realty at 706-844-7493. You can hit pause, call them now, and make your Lake dreams a reality. November the 7th, a grand jury is uh, going to hear the evidence, whatever it is, after okay. the stuff's been thrown out. And she's going to be indicted on December the 2nd. Well, but did they hear the stuff from the uh, from the inquiry? It is unclear. Because it hadn't been thrown out yet, right? It's, well, it's a grand very jury, unclear. You just like the prosecution just presents evidence to a grand jury. And mm-hmm. a grand jury indictment sounds a lot worse than it is it's not you don't I yeah. mean, you, they don't have to they don't have to present like certain types of evidence they can they can present whatever they want out there's of no discovery indictment. and there's no testimony and there's no like rebutting really like you just they present and the grand jury's like yes or no yeah and so that's why there's happens. enough here to take it to trial mm-hmm. and they have they've decided that there was enough okay i don't know if this inquest stuff had been thrown out probably not because if they can just get up there and say what they want they can just tell you everything mm-hmm. yeah yeah but before we actually go to trial, that judge is going to throw that out. So the trial is going to start on June the 5th, 1893, after she was indicted on December the 2nd. So 
you know, six months later. Mm-hmm. That's not too bad. I guess That's not. Pretty, yeah. pretty swift. Between a mur- for a murder trial. Yeah. Now, five days before the trial starts on June the 1st, there's going to be another axe murder uh, that happens in Fall River. This time, the victim's name was Bertha Manchester, and she was found hacked to death in her kitchen. The similarities between the Manchester and Borden murders were striking, and it was noted by the jurors. And Lizzie's in jail at this time, right? <laughs> Yes. No okay. way Lizzie could have done this one. Now, in 1894, a year later, it is going to be proven, I have no idea how, that a Portuguese immigrant, Jose Carrera de Mello, was the murderer of Bertha Manchester. And it is also going to be determined that he was nowhere near Fall River at the time of the Borden murders. But this is a whole year later. And I don't know what evidence they had or what they did. I have no idea. That's just, there's just that the fact. Re- the reporting from the 1890s. Yeah, look it up if you want to. Okay. A prominent point of discussion in the trial, or the press coverage of it, was the hatchet head found in the basement which was not convincingly demonstrated by the prosecution to be the murder weapon. They, there's no blood on it. Mm-hmm. They can't put the pieces together for the jury. And this is a jury. Can you guess what this jury looks like? Uh, 12 white guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they, and they're not. Can anyone not, else even serve on a jury at this time? Probably not. Could women serve on a jury? I don't think so. Probably not. But they're just not, he's not putting the pieces together for them mm-hmm. as they would like for it and and at the same time these uh, this other murder has happened and they're just not believing that a woman can do this is capable physically or just a woman can't do this okay it's a woman they don't they're not axe murders yeah they don't violently murder people they you know wash the dishes and the windows you know in the 1992 movie so i married an axe murderer the axe yeah. murderer is a female. Spoiler alert. Not who you think it is. Right. When the movie starts. But right. Yeah, spoiler alert. Jot that down. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Well, uh, one officer testified that the hatchet handle was found near the hatchet head in the basement, as we said earlier. But then another officer got on the stand and said, no, there, there was no handle there. What? So they can't even... Get, they can't even get together decide on... Decide if there was a... If the handle to fit that hatchet head was there or not in the basement. So there are photos of the the murder scenes, mm-hmm. but I guess they didn't have enough film to and shoot me, the rest of the house. Let me ask you something. When you see the photo of Andrew, uh-huh. what kind of shoes is he wearing? I don't know. I never noticed the shoes. Does he have his boots on? Is that he what has, you're about to tell me? He has on boots. Okay. Okay. All right. So... Though no bloody clothing was found at the scene, Russell, who is Alice Russell, who spent the night with them, the night of the murders, their friend, testified that on August the 8th, she witnessed Lizzie burn a dress in the kitchen stove, saying it had been ruined when she brushed against wet paint. Now, to me, this piece of evidence is the most um, damning for Lizzie. Mm Mm-hmm. Because she's getting rid of an article of clothing. Yeah. I mean, we've already established that Lizzie had a motive. She hated her stepmother. Mm-hmm. Her father's giving land to her stepmother's family. There's turmoil going on already. Yeah, they already don't eat together. Right, and then she Socialize. Right, and, and she's only been back in the house for a few days after she and her sister have stayed 
away. And so then she's burning this dress because it had paint on it. Well, why would you burn it? Why wouldn't you just throw it away? Why does it have to be burned? Yeah. Yeah. So to me, that is difficult to explain away. I don't know. Maybe she didn't didn't want to go outside and get another log for the fire. And hey, I've got this dress. (laughs) Maybe. Burn that instead. I guess so. Okay. Let's see. Where are we now? But it's August. Yeah. If you're going to cook in the house, remember this house doesn't have running water and I'm sure there's no electricity. So I don't think they're they got to cook on the stove in the house, right? But you're not going to cook over a burning dress, are you? No. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Lizzie's presence in the home was also a point of dispute during the trial. Now, according to testimony, Maggie entered the second floor at around 10.58 a.m., and left Lizzie and her father downstairs. Remember, Maggie had come in from washing windows. She went up to lay down. She did not feel well. Lizzie told several people that at this time she went into the barn and was not in the house for, quote, 20 minutes or possibly half an hour. So Lizzie's saying, no, I was not in the house. I was in the barn. Maggie's saying um, she was in the She was in there talking to her dad. Now, Maggie has already said that she's helped the man out of his boots, put his slippers on, and he's laying down for a nap. Mm -hmm. Now she's saying that Lizzie was in there with him. And we know Maggie's a liar Mm -hmm. because of a photo. Because the man had his boots on. I see what you're saying. When he was murdered, he had his boots on. So we already know that she was not correct. Maybe it was a mistake. Yeah, maybe she was but we already misremembering. Know that she was wrong about that. Yeah. Okay. So, but there are witnesses who claim that Lizzie was in fact in the barn at that time. They saw her go into the barn. They saw her come out of the barn, which would have been right with the timeline of her yelling for Maggie at 10 after 11. She would have come back in, found her father, started yelling. That was the timeline. Okay, that makes so, sense. So there are witnesses who testify that, yes, she was in the barn. All right, so then we have, uh, oh, when uh, Lizzie gets there, she sees her dad. She yells for Maggie. She tells Maggie to go get a doctor. You know, Maggie first said that, she said, somebody's come in and killed dad. Yeah. My father's dad, somebody came in and killed him. What she's saying is she yelled at Maggie and said, go get the doctor, which sounds pretty consistent if you just found your father axed. Mm-hmm. You're thinking, get go him get help. somebody, go get, you know. Yeah. 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 Saying that they're, you've got to hurry, they're dead. What's the, what's the hurry if they're, if right. you know. So that's, that's yeah, but the you're difference. flustered. God knows what you say in a moment like that, right? So that's the difference in their two mm-hmm. okay. accounts of the day. All right, the autopsy again. We remember where that was done. Now they removed the both, room formerly known as the dining room. Yeah, <laughs> they removed both of the victims' heads, and so by this time, of course, their skulls. They're going to admit those skulls as evidence during the trial. For what? And they're going to present them in court. Two skulls. And at that point, Lizzie's going to faint. Yeah. And I think that is what did it. 
before this all male jury. Well, mm-hmm. she can't even. Yeah. Look at how look at how Danny and yeah, what it, feminine she was she in the room is. when this She's, happened for the first time with these heads. I don't think so. And so she fainted. You know, fainting is not as common anymore, is it? I mean, women used to faint a lot more. Mm-hmm. Now, whether she was faking or whether she actually fainted, um, it it did some good for her. Evidence was excluded that she had sought to purchase the poison. Again, she says for cleaning her sealskin cloak. Uh, that the judge is going to say the incident was too remote in time to have any connection. I think the the issue was they couldn't really determine when she did it, when she went in. I thought some people said the day before. Yeah. The for whatever reason the judge says that's that doesn't really have anything to do with what we're talking about here. Okay. I mean, I guess I don't know. Yeah, whatever. I, yeah. I, I I just question so much about this whole circus. It was a long time of ago. A trial. I mean, you've allowed two skulls to be brought in to the courtroom, but we can't talk about her trying to get by poison. Poison. I'm so confused. In the days before. Uh, yeah, I'm so and, confused. Yeah, for what? Like, what are these, what evidence are these skulls providing? Never, I, I really couldn't, and there are several books that you can read about this that would probably cover a lot of this. Yeah, maybe I it was just the way evidence was presented differently then. It was, and I just did not have time to comb through all of this Yeah, because there's a lot of books that I frankly would like to read at some yeah. point about, and I'll get to those. So the presiding associate justice, his name is Justin Dewey. He's going to deliver a lengthy summary that supports the defense as his charge to the jury before it is sent to deliberate on June 20th, 1893. The associate justice. Yeah. I, so they're the last thing they're going to hear before they go deliberate is why he thinks Lizzie is innocent. Mm-hmm. Is that really his job? I don't know. Yeah, that's I'm confused. After an hour and a half of deliberation, the jury acquitted Lizzie Borden of the murders. It's not long. Mm. Upon exiting the courthouse, she told reporters she was, quote, the happiest woman in the world, end quote. Normally, when you got a quick deliberation, mm-hmm. it's a guilty. Yeah. That we've talked about here. Yeah, that seems to be pretty much the rule of thumb on those yeah. types of cases. This this jury just could not wrap their heads around the fact that this church-going, Sunday school-teaching, fruit-and-flower mission lady could hack her father and her stepmother up. You know, I guess, and uh, uh, Katie is not the lawyer to ask, uh, <laughs> but I wonder if a lot of cases where women find themselves in a big bunch of trouble if their attorneys don't look first and foremost to the Lizzie Borden case to see, hey, how did Lizzie Borden get off? Let's <laughs> If we're going to start somewhere with a, just a basic outline of how we're going to defend you, let's see what Lizzie Borden's Yeah, Well, did. fainting is a good thing, yeah, apparently. Let's get a faint in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, just so don't eat for days. Yeah. That's yeah. the only way I would know yeah. how to faint. Yeah. I mean, I wonder how much, you know, and Katie, when she gets her law degree in a few years, she can tell us if they ever took her through the Lizzie Borden case as far as defense goes. Yeah, mm. some more details would be would be Great. This is obviously the 101 version, as we always always. Are. But I just think that that was the right decision with what evidence they were given. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. what 
it's the prosecution has to prove, you know, they got the burden of proof. Yes. And what did they prove? That they, they were murdered? That she says all, yeah. they all they proved. had all they had was circumstantial evidence. They didn't have any witnesses, they didn't have any blood, they didn't have for sure a murder weapon. Yeah. No. And and the the thing we about her burning the dress to me was the best evidence they mm-hmm. had. I mean, I can hear the guys in that jury room going, All right, guys, we know she fucking did it, but they didn't prove it. And our job even, is to not I don't even know if they were saying that. I bet Maybe they not. Were, I bet they were saying I mean, no. thing, it, the opinion of Lizzie had changed after the morphine interviews. Yeah. But I don't know. Even then, I don't, I don't think they could um, do it in good conscience and say that she was guilty. I know a lot of people think that Lizzie Borden was 100% guilty, and they have multiple reasons as to why. But if she didn't do it, who did? Who who are some other yes, suspects? That's what I'd like to know. So let's talk about that. Let's okay. talk about John Morse, the maternal uncle that was there. That for some reason showed up and spent the night the very night before this murder took place. And then spent the night again in the same room. Possibly to clean up some evidence. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. That would be convenient. Now the police did look at John and they noted that John provided quote an absurdly perfect and over-detailed alibi for the death of Abby Borden, end quote. He was considered a suspect for a time, but then they just zoned in on Lizzie, and mm-hmm. that was it. Okay, let me tell you somebody. Well, let me go to Emma Borden, the sister. Yeah. Although Emma had an alibi at Fairhaven, which is about 15 miles from Fall River, there's a crime writer, uh, Frank Spearing, I think that's how you say that, proposed in his 1984 book, Lizzie, that she might have secretly visited the residence to kill her parents before returning to Fairhaven in time to receive a telegram informing her of the murder. So that was part of her alibi that I was there to get the telegram. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could have been, yeah. So he's saying possibly Emma could have been involved. Maggie Sullivan. Yeah. Bridget. Maggie Bridget. Sullivan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, now, uh, the housekeeper. I'm adding the housekeeper okay. as a suspect because of the boots. It was also uh, rumored to be that Maggie did not like the environment in the Borden household. She was angry at Abby on that day of the murders for making her wash windows out in the August heat. Mm-hmm. She wanted to retire after breakfast and go lay down. She was still feeling bad. From everybody being sick, and mm-hmm. Abby made her go wash windows outside in August. Um, they're saying she was very upset with the conditions living there in the Borden household. She's also she was the other only other one in the house at the time, right? Why were these two murdered and not her? Good question. Uh-huh. Lizzie had folks saying they saw her go in and come out of the barn. Right. Right. Anyways, okay. So I just added. Bridget Maggie Sullivan, Mm -hmm. whatever her name is. Anyways, okay, now, here's another person that we've not talked about. The person's name is in quotes, William Borden. A man named William Borden, who is suspected to be Andrew's illegitimate son, was noted as a possible suspect by an author, Arnold Brown. And he's going to say that William tried and failed to extort money from Andrew because he's 
he believes he is Andrew's illegitimate son, and he's seeing all this that they're worth. Yeah. And he's like, where's mine? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's also been reported that William was very quick-tempered. He was very violent, and many, many people referred to him as crazy. Hmm. Ah. Now, an, uh, another author, Leonard Rebello, after extensive research on William, did actually prove that he was not Andrew's son. Oh, okay. But Andrew believed, but uh, yeah. William believed right. he was Andrew's son. Yeah. So, as far as I know, he was maybe briefly looked at, but, and years later, a lady actually reported seeing him in their yard. Said he had on a duster and he was behaving weird on the day of the murder. Well, so that that might have been a good the plot thickens. Suspect crazy guy shows up the day of. Yeah, Yeah, you've got uncle, you've got the sisters, you've got the illegitimate son in the yard. Maybe it was all of them. Yeah, well, you said something that <laughs> got me thinking. Housemaid. If the if the maternal uncle mm-hmm. is on the same page financially as the two sisters, well, he wants he wants Andrew to do the same thing. Well, then yeah. now we've got a conspiracy, mm-hmm. possibly with three, at least three people in it, mm-hmm. and it sounds like that was never seriously considered. I mean, no, they just the financial gains are what makes me think that Lizzie did it. Mm-hmm. Because she was the only one who stood to gain directly, at least in in the ways that you can see. Obviously, yes. Mm-hmm. She yes. and she and the sister got rich off of it. Oh, absolutely! Because it was determined that Abby died first. Ah, that's important. So Andrew died last. Boy, somebody crossed that T and dotted that I. When so they this everything murder. was left to the girls, and so after the trial. The Borden sisters moved into a large modern house on the hill. Mm, okay. Indoor plumbing. Uh-huh. And around this time, Lizzie is going to change her name to Lizbeth. L-I-Z-B-E-T-H. Mm-hmm. She's going to go by Lizbeth A. Borden. I don't know if that's different enough that people yeah. still wouldn't hear you coming one telegram away. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And they're going to get this their new home, and they're going to name it Maplecroft. Maplecroft. Sounds like a hoity thing to do to Uh name your house. Yes. And they had a staff that included live-in maids, a housekeeper, and a coachman. Mm -hmm. Everything her father would have never paid for. Uh Mm Uh-huh. All the fancy stuff. Yes. Yes. Now, a considerable settlement was paid to settle claims by Abby's family. So, Abby's family did get something. Despite the acquittal, Lizzie was ostracized by Fall River Society. Her name was again brought into the public eye when she was accused of shoplifting in Providence, Rhode Island in 1897. And in 1905, shortly after an argument over a party with her sister, uh, Emma's going to move out and never talk to her sister again. Wow. And neither of these women marry. No. No. And uh, Emma passes first. And then Lizzie passes in June of 1927. She had had pneumonia. So she lived another 
25 years, 35 years yeah. in that community yeah. and after just, this happened. Yep. I just got that wrong. Lizzie went first and nine days later, Emma died. Sorry. Oh, wow. I thought Emma died. Nine Within days nine days of each other. Mm-hmm. So, so Lizzie lived in that house by herself after Emma moved out mm-hmm. from, from 93 until yeah. 27. Yep. Yep. The Borden sisters, neither of whom had ever married, were buried side by side in their family plot in Oak Grove Cemetery. At the time of her death, Borden was worth over $250,000, which is about $9.5 million today. She owned a house on the corner of French Street and Belmont Street, several office buildings, shares, and several utilities, two cars, and a large amount of jewelry. She left $30,000, which is about $1.1 million, to the Fall River Animal Rescue League, and $500, which is a about $18,600 in a trust for the care of her father's grave. Mm. Her closest friend and a cousin each received $6,000, which is $223,676 today. And numerous friends and family members each received between $1,000 and $5,000, which in today's money is either $37,000 or $186,396. Wow. Good for her. She didn't spend it all. So she was very wealthy upon her death. Now, you know her from the nursery rhyme, and that's her in in culture. Lizzie Borden has affected pop culture. Right. So the folk rhyme, uh, Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. Mm -hmm. This is something children say. It's the old one, yeah. And that was really uh, what dad got 11 lashes and... Stepmom got what eighteen or twenty years, something or not, like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it's very violent the crimes, which is another reason why uh, it just it didn't seem like it would be some random like somebody just popping into the house and stealing something, and that would be the form of murder if you got caught mm-hmm. trying to steal. Another reason why a lot of people say Lizzie, right? It just it was, mm-hmm. there was a lot of hatred yeah. in those whacks. Yes, a lot. You would yeah, think it's personal. Uh, the, here's a well known, a not well known second verse. Andrew Borden now is dead. Lizzie hit him on the head. Up in heaven he will sing. On the gallows she will swing. Oh. Except that she did. So I guess that was written before the trial. Yeah, except yeah. that she did. Okay, so there have been numerous books, movies, plays, television shows, um, sort of literature literary parallels to Lizzie Borden in this case pages and pages you can look that up mm-hmm. there's a i think the most recent movie was in 2018 it has think, a girl from twilight in it um one of the lizzie borden movies features elizabeth montgomery who if you are old enough to remember the tv series bewitched yeah, The Legend of Lizzie Borden. That was she in was, 1975. Yeah, she was the uh, star of the show Bewitched. You know, she, she was the witch who lived in a normal community. She wiggled she her nose. twinkled her nose, yeah. yeah. Wiggled her nose, yeah. yeah. Uh, Katie, do you have you seen that? Have you ever seen Bewitched? <laughs> I'm not even going to make fun of Katie for that one. It's probably, it's probably on TV land or something, but it was in black and white in the early 70s. I just barely remember it I being saw it on. on Nick at Night. Yeah. Mm. That's when I see it. So... There's, like I said, several books, several parallels in literature. You can look those up. But I was thinking about some of those um, authors that I was talking about, the one 
I'm. I think I want to read a, a book. If you get a, a good book, one, there was let me one know. called Lizzie. Okay. That I think I want to read, and and if I'll let you guys know how it goes. But do you guys like coffee? Yeah. Sure. So recently, a coffee shop has opened up in Fall River, and I'd oh. like to read you the ad. If you love coffee and Lizzie Borden, then this new Fall River coffee shop may just be for you. Miss Lizzie's coffee shop opened, coincidentally enough, on August the 4th, the day Andrew and Abby Borden, father and stepmother of Lizzie, were brutally murdered over 130 years ago. The eatery is located at 242 2nd Street, next door to the Lizzie Borden House and Museum, but they are not affiliated. Uh, Touted as the, quote, most haunted coffee shop in the world, end quote, when you enter, you are greeted with a life-size cutout of Lizzie, and her image painted on the left and right walls, along with other Lizzie-themed decor. The coffee is freshly roasted and grounded. However, this is not all we serve. Uh, We offer a wide variety of hot and iced drinks, along with savory and sweet food options. Some of the food choices include sweet bread, hard-boiled eggs, fruit, and something special on Sundays uh, I do not know how to say. But I'm going to spell it for you. M A L A S S A D A S. That's on Sunday. All right. Uh, Miss Lizzie's is currently hiring. And in the future plans, uh, we're going to have online ordering. So the hours of operation, if you ever find yourself there, are Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 3 p.m., and Saturday and Sunday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. If they put all of that on one billboard and expected somebody to read it as they drove by on the highway, that's the worst damn design of advertising no, I've uh, ever seen in my life. <laughs> that is from the fallriverreporter.com. Okay. So my references, of course, are lizzieborden.com, smithsonianmag.com, looked on the Wikipedia, which mm-hmm. they had a ton of, and then the fallriverreporter.com. So we also have the Lizzie Borden house, lizzieborden.com. It's like lizzie-borden.com. Mm-hmm. And you can actually do a tour of the house. You can stay in the murder room. That house, the house has no hallways. It's a, it's a bed and breakfast. Yeah. That, I don't. I don't see how you live in a house, and maybe they've added hallways. But originally, I read somewhere this morning that the house, like the door from one, from one room, went straight into the next room. Mm-hmm. There was no hallway anywhere in the house, which <laughs> sounds like not a lot of privacy. Well, you know, mm. I, I got to go through your bedroom to get to mine. I lived in a house when I was younger, and it was an old house, and it went in kind of a circle. Really? Yeah, mm-hmm. like the. The front of the house was literally like a circle. Like you walked in the front door and it was the living room. And if you took a right, it went into a bedroom. And in from that bedroom, had a, a door into the other bedroom. Yeah. And then that bedroom had two doors in it. So one into that bedroom that you were just in and one into another room, which we used as like a playroom area. And then the kitchen was on the back of the house. You could tell that it was like mm-hmm. not attached, I don't think, ah, originally right. to the home. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what year that home was Probably. built in. It had a porch that went all the way around, like, and a well in the back. Like, it was old. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Even for me, that sounds like an old house. <laughs> yeah. No, it will, yeah. <laughs> well, I, if I ever find myself up in uh, Fall River, I'm going to go to Miss Lizzie's Coffee Shop. And uh, this new, uh, newly opened. I guess that's, the, if you're going to live in the town where that's the most famous thing that happened and you're going to open up a coffee shop, you may as well go with the theme. Yeah. 
Absolutely. The, the opening on the murder anniversary is a little, yeah. little on the nose. August 4th. Oh. They, they pay while up. the sun shines. They probably had a big street festival that day. Yeah, they're right what next better day to, to kick the, door open? the house. And, and again, like I said, you can spend the night in the house. Check it out online. If you go to, uh, like I said, lizzie-borden.com. And just look at the uh, look at the look at the okay. house and see if you want to stay in it one night. I'll do that when I listen to this, which will be next Wednesday if I do it the way I'm supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that's all that I have. I could I could go into all of the details of all the different pop culture things, mm-hmm. but it, you just need to Google it. It's a ton of stuff. It, yeah. Lizzie Borden is very popular and and I know that I'm probably uh not popular because I don't I'm not convinced Lizzie did it. I don't know. I mean, it's been so long ago. I think probably she did just because she was the one who benefited from it. She was. So maybe her, she didn't hold that did axe too. herself. Maybe they held it together. Maybe they hired some flunky to come in and do it for them. I just kind of think that possibly the the uncle helped them. Yeah. That maybe they plotted. Yeah. But I could and, I could definitely buy a three person conspiracy theory because probably maybe he gained two in the process if they all had a an agreement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just weird that the maid had that detail about taking his boots off. Yeah. It's just, mm. I don't know, but I've, I've seen the movie wild things too. And a lot of times when you have three people in a conspiracy, somebody gets mad, somebody gets jealous and then they start killing each other. Never mind. Just go watch the movie. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with Lizzie Borden. No, no, it does not. Well, that's all I have. Uh, the legend of Lizzie Borden. There, there hey, that was are. a great job. And and we all learned something. I learned a bunch of stuff today. So, I mean, as much as you can dig up on that, I think you're going to have to get into one of those books to get all the... Yeah. yeah. The well, you dug up details. a pretty good bit there. That mm-hmm. was quite a bit. It wasn't easy. Yeah. It's a tough, <laughs> it's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. And today it was you, and we thank today you for it that. Was me. All right. Next week, Scott. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll have something, Katie and I will, next week. And, and we'll uh, be local. We'll be back in- It's a local not case. Just in Alabama, but local. Right here in Cherokee County. We will talk to uh, Bo Jolly and some other folks who are involved in law enforcement, or we'll talk about them. Okay. Uh, because they know some facts about this case that I don't know yet. I've got to go reach out to them next week and pick their brains and find out what it is that they know. Okay. Um, get Can't wait. Scott. So, yeah, it's football season. Don't forget to go to the CCHS games by the football program that has our ad in it. Yeah. And if you do what those people in that ad did, which is say something nice about us, you might find yourself on one of those ads in the future. That's right. But at least go to your podcast platform of choice and say something nice about us. And sometime, maybe in the future, we'll say something nice about you. Is that it? Are we done, everybody? We're done. Good night, guys. <laughs>